unlike when you're partnered and whatever you're finding yourself getting into, you have to consider your partner. You have to consider where they fall into it. There, there's so many considerations. For me at this moment, overwhelmingly, I am only concerned about myself and I'm only concerned about my pleasure. And with that comes such a freedom to just go after whoever I feel attracted to with no qualms. Well, welcome everybody to another episode of Girls Gone Deep, where we're going deep in more ways than one. We're talking all things sex, non-monogamy, mental health and growth and different social and societal terms that are coming up and how they (laughs) impact our sexuality. So I'm Elle. And I'm V. And we have a guest today, Holly. Welcome, Holly. Hi. Thanks for having me. We're so excited. I've heard so much about you, Holly, because V talks about you at all the sex parties that you guys have and going out in New York. (laughs) So tell us, how did you guys meet? How do you know each other? So I (laughs) met V at a field meetup. It was about a year ago now, almost a year. We only spoke for a few minutes, but Jay, V's partner, is from the same tiny town as my ex. So we hit it off quickly. And I was wearing a super low cut dress, like the tits were out, like I remember, (laughs) like vividly. And we took a selfie. Yeah, because that's my party trick. Actually, I don't think I've ever mentioned it. So if you meet someone and you put their number in your phone, um, say like, "Hey, let's take a selfie and send it to each other," so that you remember the next day, like, "Oh, because you talk to so many people at parties, Mm -hmm. like." If you have their face in your phone and vice versa, you'll remember each other. And then you can set it as their contact photo. And so I have that photo of you. That makes so much sense in retrospect. At the time, I was like, what is happening? Why am I taking this? (laughs) Who is this girl? Why is she taking my photo? (laughs) She must be wasted. That is is a great idea. And I'm glad we have that memory. And (laughs) Wait, um, but do you remember what we were playing? It was horrible. I had no context for what it was. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Makes me so happy. After the selfie, you got my number, even though we only talked for a few minutes. And then we left at the same time. I was kind of trying to like get get home with you that night, but (laughs) it didn't really work out that way. I think it was like a Monday night or something. And J and V saved me from someone who was trying to go home with me and mm-hmm. I was not interested. <laughs> and they helped me make a quick escape to run down into the subway. Yeah. Um, nice. And that's how it all nice. began. <laughs> wow. Well, so I'm I'm curious though, like how many events had you been to previously? Was that mm-hmm. one of your first? How did you find Field? So, okay, let's rewinding. I found Field because I had a few friends who were already on it who mentioned it, and I've always been slutty. I've always been sexual. I've always been the first one of all my friends to try everything, and I've always been kind of kinky but didn't – it was just kind of happenstance if I found people who matched my energy, and I was interested in getting on Field as soon as I heard about it. But I was nervous about being on there for thousands and thousands of people and the world to see. So I waited a while to join because I was nervous about that aspect. But then I learned about incognito mode, where if you get the membership, you can swipe on other people and they can't see you unless you like them first. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I was like... I can get on there and I can just like who I want to like and I won't be out there for the world to see. And there is a downside, which is that if somebody else is on incognito, we're never going to find each other because right. I can't see them. Oh, my wow, God. I didn't know. That's a cool feature. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, and it solves that issue that we talked about with uh, people from work seeing you on field. Yes. If yeah. you're incognito, they won't see you unless you decide to swipe them. Yeah. And yeah. There even that percentage of people that I might never see. I try to go to every single event whenever they're advertised. And at the events, I run into people that I will probably never be able to see on the app. So mm. cover the bases with that. 
So were we one of your first like threesomes and couples that you hooked up with? So what happened was I have had group experiences before. In fact, kind of just, you know, backing up the whole I've always been a slut thing. I actually had a very juicy thing in high school that I thought would be fun to share, which is (laughs) I had secret threesomes with a gay friend and a bi guy that they were secretly fucking. And I heard from him about their secret relationship. And I was like, I went in on this. And so he and I like plotted and schemed about it. And we're like, we're going to suck a stick together. Like we're going to do it. And we kind of planted the seed and we would like fuck with him in our class all the time that we had together. We would like lick lollipops and like look over. (sighs) And then one day he comes over to us and he just goes, he goes, meet me at my house in eight minutes. I'll never forget. He said eight minutes. And we followed down, went to his house. We sucked his dick. And then my mom picked us up and we left. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, so what grade was and then this? I was a sophomore in high school. And then that happened several more times after that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. So was that your first threesome experience? Yes, that was. And how? what a, what a unique situation, a bi guy and a gay guy. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't had that situation since. And I wow. want it. <laughs> well, so I'm jumping ahead of myself here, yeah. but what situations do you have the most of? It's probably hetero couples with heteroflexible females or bi females yes. or whatever. Yes. That is definitely what I have the most of these days or like big full group, like going to NSFW or like the little gatherings that V&J host. So now you saying that you, you have most of your experiences are with hetero flexible. What do you prefer? What is your like ideal connection? Yeah, I think we all prefer a bit of variety for sure. Like I, I like to spice it up, but I think I've found throughout this past year of really getting into it that I like even numbers. (laughs) I like even numbers where you can kind of pair off. I think four is a great number. Mm -hmm. Pair off, you can switch who you're paired with. And there's not that other person who's like kind of just there, like getting involved. Um, I think that's kind of the sweet spot. And then in terms of like – genders. I like a mix for sure. I like all the sensations, all the options, opportunities. That's interesting. I think I really like even numbers too. And I don't Mm. think I've ever articulated that until you just mentioned it. See, I'm an, I'm an odd person. Oh yeah. Tell me more. I I, I mean, I like odds, like threesomes being the third and then, cause you can do different combinations and even in a fivesome, um, you can just really maneuver into unique and different positions and trains and that kind of thing. And you can be like an assistant and then you can swap out and take a break if you want. Because sometimes you're going for so long. It's nice to just mm. kind of step out a little bit, get a breather, maybe watch a little bit, masturbate a little bit as the activity is going on and then pop back in when you're ready. So I kind of like the flexibility of popping in and out. I'm thinking of the odd numbered groups that I've been with where it's been really fucking awesome. And I'm not saying this to flatter you guys, but it's been with you guys. And I think that it's probably because just all of the energies matched and it was easy. So I'm thinking of that one time when Holly, Jay, and I were at Holly's place. Yeah. And I think it was after watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, the musical been, yes. episode. Um, but it was when I was going down on you and he his fingers were in you. Yeah. And he was fucking me from behind. And I just remember that being such a great threesome and like there's a sense of ease. And then I'm also thinking of 
the five some that we had with Slutlana, Jay, uh, M, and UL in Hedo. And mm-hmm. that was just like no one ever felt left out. And like I remember M just like, you know, he didn't really have you and M didn't really have like a place in our DVP situation with Slutlana. So you just like fucking insert yourself where you want to. <laughs> yeah. Like we're all just so comfortable with each other and love each other so much that like there's no sense of weirdness with like you can put your hands wherever the fuck you want on any of us like there there's kind of blanket consent amongst us you know what i mean right mm-hmm. and and m like just came above me and like stuck his dick in my mouth and that was fine you know like i think it's a yeah. sense of ease that i need with odd numbers there we go yeah <laughs> yeah, I agree. And there needs to be that blanket comfortableness. And then also in odd numbers, I always feel like it's important for, at least this is what I try to do in these situations, is I always want to be busy. If I'm not actively like wanting to voyeur and watch, yeah. my hand, even if I'm not getting fucked, like my hand is touching a nipple or an ass or I'm fingering something or grabbing some balls or caressing or kissing an arm, even if I'm not able to access parts, I'm kissing the neck, I'm kissing a body part. But either way, I want to be active and doing something in a sexual mm. way like that. So I think that helps. I situation. agree. Horny thinking about yeah. <laughs> We're very like. <laughs> well, this leads me to my next question. So you talked about, you know, obviously preferences are changing and we desire different things at different moments in time, but you said your ideal situation is a foursome. So do you often partner up with somebody and then kind of like tag team in different situations or do you find yourself going out on your own in different play settings? I think that similarly to the to the variety thing, it's been a year of just all the exploration and seizing every opportunity. So I've been very fortunate that things have fallen into my lap a lot. So I'll go out to a mixer and whoever I interact with that night, it kind of comes to be organically. I don't think that I super go out looking exactly like I'm trying to do this and this, and I want this many people. Things have been happening pretty organically, especially now that we have each other in our live in each other's lives. We have this like tight knit group. It's kind of at this point just based on who's free <laughs> and our schedules. Um, but I think I'm seeking out new experiences and pleasure, and the dynamics of who exactly is there just kind of come into place? Like, Well, so to this point, I think we haven't even articulated the lens that we wanted to bring you on here for is because you are a single woman in the poly open dating lifestyle and you are younger. You're in your 20s. And so it's a very different view of this situation that we all find ourselves in than what we have where Elle is married, been in it for eight years, and I'm partnered for two and a half years and been divorced. And so being a single person in this lifestyle definitely brings its own experiences. Yeah. And I think that kind of encompasses everything I'm trying to get across, which is it's always an adventure. And unlike when you're partnered and whatever you're finding yourself getting into, you have to consider your partner. You have to consider where they fall into it. You have to think about their feelings and how they're going to feel about who you're partnering up with, if they're involved. There, There's so many considerations. For me at this moment, aside from the partners that I have who I play with, who I am still concerned about your feelings or anyone else's feelings because there is a level of connection there where I want to be aware if there is something like coming up. But overwhelmingly, I am only concerned about myself and I'm only concerned about my pleasure. And with that comes such a freedom to just get crazy and get wild and go after whoever I feel attracted to with no qualms. Yeah. I'm kind of jealous. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, do you I'm have, not jealous, do, but you know, no, what I mean. <laughs> do you have a hall pass? Because those are similar feelings that I can feel when, say, we're at Hedo and I'm allowed to just kind of go do what I want to do without my partner being involved. So I do have little episodes of those feelings. So I can resonate very strongly with what you're going through. And as you were describing it, I was like smiling on my end because I'm like, oh, yeah. I yeah. Have feeling. <laughs> So you said a year ago, so you're poly as of a year ago, or have you always been open like this? Is this your first experience dating other people like that? 
in the in the swinging and so, open world? I would say that I was informally poly <laughs> most like my adult life so far. Like I've had a few relationships and mostly not great ones. And then I've had many situationships, many several month long, we're hooking up, we never label it kind of thing. And my default has always been kind of having someone that I can go to, I can booty call, but still being free to do what I want. That's kind of been how I've been operating the past several years. I just never put it into so many words. And it just made so much sense. Like everyone in my life before this stage of my life began, everyone would have expected this from me. They associate me with sex. Like that is just such a huge (laughs) part of me and who I am. Yeah. It was the least surprising thing to ever happen. And, um, yeah. Do you label yourself? Like, do you, how would you label yourself? I think more and more hanging out with you, I've started to just say like in the lifestyle, I think that's the simplest because I don't know if I quite like, I mean, kink is such a an interesting broad range where I guess like I'm kinky, but I don't know if I'm like in the kink scene as much as I am just like in the lifestyle, going to events, meeting people. I would say probably poly, um, but with that is I do see myself with a primary partner if the right person were to come along. Um, but I do think at this stage in my life, I am is some form of in the lifestyle for the rest of my life. I cannot foresee myself in a monogamous relationship. I don't think it's in the cards for me. And what about your sexuality? Yes. So I identify as queer and it is an ever-changing journey to figure out what that really, really means for me. I think I've been coming into it a lot like the past few years and it's interesting. We've talked a lot about how in lifestyle I can explore a lot and it's been really helpful for me to figure out more about what I like with women and um, with play with women. But it's also in some ways hindering because of how much the patriarchy like has a hold on some of the the spaces that I'm in in the lifestyle. So often men will not play together, but women, as you've discussed on the podcast, women are typically fluid and that's just, or heteroflexible as we were discussing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just kind of the norm. So what ends up happening pretty often is I will play with women who consider themselves to be heteroflexible or not labeled, but will get down and dirty with a woman, but they don't consider themselves to be gay or queer. And sometimes that's a little bit confusing for me. Like, where does that leave me? Because I can get really in my head, like, are they even enjoying this? Do they even want to do this? Because I know for whatever reason, I've heard that they are not queer or they don't consider themselves to be queer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had those same questions when you're playing with a female, like how, how much is she doing this just because she thinks she should be doing it? Is she performative because she's in front of other people yes. right now? And that's what women are supposed to do is, you know, perform um, in a lot of these situations. So I can resonate with that. Mm. Yeah. I went on a date with someone recently, a woman, and she said something that really resonated with me. And she said, because she was partnered at the time, they actually ended up breaking up, but I was asking if they play together or separately and the partner was a man. And she was like, oh, separately. Sometimes you just don't want a penis in the room. (laughs) (laughs) and then we were saying because even when the penis is not in the room sometimes it's metaphorically in the room (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) and it really is just such a different experience when you are alone with a woman versus in a setting with men even if it is really hot even if you're 100 into what's happening if there is a penis if there is a man present watching what's happening you are behaving differently. Mm. I would agree with that. And I feel like I'm trying to like put myself in that situation right now to sense like what happens when there's a male in the room. And I think that I find myself again, being aware that there's a male in the room and then also moving quicker 
if that makes sense. Mm, I feel like men get to the point. It's like they don't really like to kiss or make out for extremely long time. Some men are not so much into the foreplay and caressing and touching and spending that emotional bonding time that women would prefer or desire or need in some situations. Um, But I find that women need more of that foreplay type of behavior, and I will do that more with women. It's a lot slower. That's so interesting because – Actually, Holly and I have like on our kind of to-do list together. (laughs) Can I say that? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Like we have not played just the two of us yet and we want to. It's just like it hasn't been the right moment. And, you know, we we are a good little threesome, Hermie and Jay. And so I don't know. It's interesting to think about how that will be different. Would you And agree? have I had one-on-one female ex- Have you? Yeah, look at your <laughs> your face is like uh... Isn't that funny we've had so many sexual experiences we can't remember them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I'll get back to you. <laughs> well, Holly, would you agree and like what what is different what would you say is different for you when you play solo with a female versus when there's that male energy in the room? I 100% agree with you. I feel like there's just this default to slow and sensual with women that I don't experience with men as much. So the other thing I want to say was as part of compulsory heterosexuality, which we'll get more into – I find that it's easier to be my full kinky self with men. And I'm trying to figure out if that's because that's truly like where I feel like more comfortable or if it's just because I'm scared of women (laughs) or I don't know how to behave when I'm with women. But there's just kind of – and I think it really comes from porn as well. There's a certain way that I can – act and behave and experience sex that I know is appealing to the male gaze. And I know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah, when it comes 100%. to women, yeah. And it's it's weird because we are women. Like we should know what women want. But when it comes down to it, like I get tripped up and more in my head about being like my full, like wild, dirty talk, crazy self because there's less of a – facade with women like there's less bullshit like you can kind of play to what a man wants but when it comes to women like there's no like bullshit layer that Mm. I I hear what you're saying it's more like naked and exposed and like we'll see through the bullshit or we can we can put a bullshit facade on for men or like (laughs) play a part more for men play a part more it's it's the bullshit, but it's also then it brings you back to the question, is that just because I have less experience with women, I'm still getting comfortable with them. But I have recently had a few different experiences with women that have given me so much hope for just being my full crazy wild self. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Like good. as you're talking about it, I think it comes down to like level of experience and also the connection with that female. And then how mm-hmm. open is that female with herself? in playing with other women and how comfortable she is in that same sex kind of play as well. Yeah. So you had mentioned compulsory heterosexuality, and I really want to kind of dive into that a little bit more because when you had mentioned this idea to me, it blew my fucking mind. (laughs) I think... I was a little bit drunk when you mentioned it to me, so that might have affected how much my mind was blown, but I just find it so fucking interesting. So I just want to bring up the definition really quickly. Quick Google search. This is the first thing that comes up. So compulsory heterosexuality, often shortened to compet, and we will probably you know, interchange those two words moving forward is the theory that heterosexuality is assumed and enforced upon people by a patriarchal and heteronormative society. So basically, it's society and how when we 
are born into this world, we're getting these messages from the very beginning that this is what we should want. We should want as cisgendered females, we should want men, you know, mm-hmm. and now with this idea of compulsory heterosexuality put in my head, it's like how much of what I want is what I actually want and how much of it is what I have been told to want. And it reminds me of that Sex in the City episode where Carrie's trying to decide whether she should have a baby. Anyone? Anyone? You know this? <laughs> no? Guys, come on! <laughs> you know, she's she's like, do I want to have a baby or are my hormones telling me that or you know society and all my friends having babies like do i want it or do is it society telling me that right exactly i think that's what's kept so many women not understanding if they're lesbian or not or bisexual or not because we're so quick as females i think we talk ourselves out of everything. We have been trained to not trust our gut instincts sometimes. And whether we're feeling a certain way, we'll go, oh, well, everything's fine. Like this is how it should be. So I'm just going to go ahead and keep doing these things because that's what society wants me to do. And so we just accept it. Well, but also if heterosexuality was not seen as the quote unquote norm in society, and that wasn't what was always presented to us, what if there were more gay couples in media? What if it's not assumed that you're hetero from birth? What if? And then how would I have grown up? And who would I have dated when I was younger if I wasn't afraid of what my peers would think if I kissed a girl first instead of a boy? I thought that I've had around that a lot recently even though Compet is very much still alive, just the shift that we're seeing now in queer acceptance and queer representation, I often wonder if I were born even like five, 10 years later, what experience I would have had in like my own journey, realizing who I am, what I like, because I was kind of right before it was cool or edgy or trendy to like be out and and queer earlier. Mm-hmm. Um so I've had that thought a lot but a few things I've I've thought about this concept are the validation aspect of it which is largely linked to the whole men are easy, we know what men like, we've had experience with men and so much of that is just so closely tied to to the validation that men can provide when you know the cards to play to get the guy to feel hot and sexy. And it's kind of like a dance that you've, you've mastered Mm. when you feel like a fish out of water, having experiences with women and it's more new to you and there's less of the bullshit barrier. Like we were saying, it's, it's harder to get that instant hit of validation from women. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, Compet, as for most queer people, all queer people, I don't, I don't want to generalize, but it's so closely linked to the journey of like finding yourself, coming out, realizing who you are. And it takes a lot of like pushing aside those thoughts to really look deep into yourself and, and question more. And I think for me, my journey, like I've always totally had feelings, totally had thoughts about being attracted to women. But I think because the media shoves tits and ass down your throat, like watching movies in the early 2000s with like huge boobs, like Daisy Dukes, like all those things. And just seeing all that and knowing, by the way, it was framed in movies that you're supposed to find that sexy. That's something that everyone is supposed to find sexy. I couldn't separate and that means I'm attracted to women. Like it was just widely accepted that these women's bodies like are just sexual and like meant to be consumed in that way. Mm. You following me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize, oh, and I'm into that and I like that. I was like, oh, like we're all supposed to find that attractive. That's why they're showing it in this movie in this way. Yeah, it's like led to this inability to identify your desire. Like, oh, I really like her, but 
I we have a great connection or it's fun and it's hot and sexy and I'm kind of turned on, but oh, it's it's just a girl that's supposed to be hot to me, you know. Yeah. And I should have known when I was googling random women's names before there were safe search filters on to see what kind of naughty photos would come up. Oh my god. But I still was like, oh, um they're supposed to be attractive and sexy, so I guess I'll look it up. <laughs> well, so that's interesting. I was listening to a podcast today about compulsory heterosexuality and they were talking about how it shows up in how how compulsory heterosexuality shows up in our lives so it might be how we talk to ourselves or how we try to convince ourselves that we're queer because we want attention. So like I might talk to myself internally like, oh, I'm just doing that for attention. Like I'm I'm definitely still like, you know, hetero, but it's just like a way that I'm internalizing this almost like homophobia that has been thrust upon us by the patriarchy. And I just think that's really interesting. Also, Saying whether or or talking to yourself about whether you're queer enough, quote unquote, to identify as queer. I'm like, if I'm sitting next to Holly, who has had more sex with women than I have, and I most of my sexual experiences are with men in the room, like, can I even say that I'm queer? Can I even say that I'm into women? And, you know, kind of like shaming myself for not being queer enough then. And it's like, all of this is stemming from this, again, this this heterosexuality that has been thrust upon us from birth when maybe it's not, it wouldn't have been fully natural. Would you say that this is still an issue today? For me? In general, in society, do you think it's still a problem? Yeah, definitely. I think it still creeps in and controls some of the way that I operate. Um, I mean, it's that constant question of actual desires versus the the easy route almost. And I was just thinking if I if I'm horny and I just want like a quick fuck, I'm gonna hit up a man. Like it's really I've never had women in my life that I'm like partnered with that I have that like booty call like come over like I just want to fight. like I had never had that kind of um, relationship and I feel like I'm still trying to dissect whether that's I mean of course there are actually times that I'm like I just want some dick and <laughs> that's valid but you know trying to figure out if that's because I know I know the song and dance the man comes over I know how to m- make everything happen I etc and I'll feel hot and sexy and the unknown of women. And also just like, it's hard to find, this is this is not really true. <laughs> I'm a very horny woman and a lot of women are demisexual or have all different like reservations or I often find myself in like, a fuckboy like mentality of how I approach just like wanting to like get it in, which is not always how women operate. Mm. You're exactly right. I'm in the same field as you are where I think we're the minority of women who can just fuck to fuck where there's most other women, as I was saying earlier, like need that sensual connection, emotional time kind of a situation. And sometimes you just want to get down to it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I will say we do exist. We're out there. <laughs> <laughs> Representation matters. <laughs> so I have faith that you'll find a girl that you can just go fuck. Yeah. And I think this is just, this is just such a, a long conversation. Like I feel like we need to dedicate an entire episode to this. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's more thoughts about like queerness in general that aren't necessarily compet. When I was sort of coming into my queerness and figuring myself out, I I had an experience with somebody and my friend was really, really surprised to hear, oh shit, like that's where you were last night. And her shock to me saying that caused me to like further retreat into myself, like 
what? It's that surprising like that I would do that is what that's is that that out of character for me? And it was furthering that thought that I had that especially growing up with a lot of queer representation around me. I was a theater kid. I had gay people in my life. My sister was gay, but I didn't quite know it yet. But just seeing everyone else living their truth and being out and proud, I didn't think that could be my thing too. I thought that was their thing and they have it figured out and they're cool and confident and like that can't also be my thing. And I think I got very fixed in my ways of like who I was and who people perceived me to be. And hearing that perception that it was so shocking that I would have hooked up with a girl Mm. caused me to further be like, can this be my thing too? I see. And then I play devil's advocate and I say that's a projection of that person's fear of whatever she saw or, you know, whatever Mm. that made her make that comment. Wow. My brain is like reeling from this concept as it was the first time that we talked about it. And I think- this is going to be reverberating through my conversations about sexuality for a long time. Yeah. I definitely think it has influenced things. And I would say that, yes, it still does influence things today, but I feel like we are moving out of it because of this whole movement around sexuality is just really allowing people to express and be, and it's giving younger people the opportunity to decide earlier on whether they are you know, bisexual or flexible or pan, whatever it is you want to identify as. There's more opportunities now to express it than ever before. Yeah. So I'm going to take it a little bit in a different direction, but just thinking of how you guys were saying you're very sexual women. um, I'm thinking of my best threesome examples. And it's been when I've been inhabiting that more sexual side of myself, when I've been feeling more like dominant. And so I do think that it's, it's what you're like, what? No, you know what I'm thinking of. (laughs) No, what am I thinking of? You being dominant? (gasps) Yes. You can share the story. (laughs) So V unlocked something for me sexually in what I like. Um, Something, it was, okay, we were having a threesome and I was having a lot of trouble coming. I just couldn't get there. Like I had a mental block. I don't know, was overthinking things. Didn't want to take too much time. And V was just started like being kind of mean, like, <laughs> but in in a playful way where it was kind of just like, shut up, like, uh, like whatever. And then I, you like covered my mouth and you're like, be quiet. And I was like, oh, I like that. And I was like, be mean to me. And she just transformed. Like, she just started being really fucking mean to me. And it was amazing. And I didn't know that I would like it so much. And it totally unlocked something, which is I really like to be domed by a woman because there's a sense of safety and security and that it is all just in in that setting and they don't truly mean you any harm and sometimes with men there's like that little thought like is this too real right now Mm. like do they they seem a little bit too good at like you know what I mean Mm. and it just felt so safe but still like you were actually frustrated because I like it was like it was just what did I say to you was I saying you can't come you were like covering my mouth and you're like don't fucking make a sound like take it (gasps) yes that's what I did Yes. She was not allowed to make a sound. And if she did, she would be punished. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. But that, that was fun. And I just feel like as we're talking about, you know, queerness and females being together, in my experience, the best experiences have been where someone takes charge and brings a little bit more, dare I say it, like of a masculine energy to the experience or just inhabits their more dominant side. Is that a better way to say that? I think that's one of the reasons, honestly, just tooting my own horn a bit, that I'm able to be a successful unicorn Mm. for many different types of couples because I have absolutely no problem communicating what I want and also what I want to see happen, like what I want other people to do. And it's an open dialogue. It's not orders that people can't say no to but if there's ever like a lull or even if there's not a lull I'll just be like 
hey, do this. Hey, I want to see this. Like, I'll just call it out. And then it happens. Often when Jay and Holly are fucking, she'll be like, you better come over and sit on my face now or something like that. Like if it seems like I'm like over in the corner or something, she's so good at like getting me involved. As and a also submissive, at our sex yeah. Parties. Yeah. She'll be she like, is. will someone just come sit on my face now? Oh, that was a great moment. Yeah. I was like, someone come sit on my face. And the whole room's like, what gender? Uh, what gender? <laughs> like, what do you want on your face? <laughs> great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I, I think that's great. You should toot your own horn. And I think that is accurate. I think that you're pretty malleable as to – you can kind of like fit – you can be like more switch. dominant or you can be more – yeah, you're switchy. So mm-hmm. I think that's a, that it's, that's a good trait in a unicorn. And I think that uh, in a lot of situations, I find more often they're not, uh, in my opinion, there's a lack of dominance in certain scenarios. Like when there's so many people involved, who's taking charge, who's kind of like leading and directing or – you know, like you said, if it's not flowing, how do we make it flow? And and I find myself sometimes doing very similar things like that too, shouting like little comments, do this, do that, go into this position, try this. And then sometimes I just back out and I watch. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what are your boundaries as you navigate this world solo right now? What are your boundaries? So I only have one major boundary that you are well aware of. And it is that I don't partake in photos or videos of any kind. And in sexual situations. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a single photo. I have 34,000 photos on my phone. Um, but yeah, for me, it's it's kind of And I know that it's a huge part of so many people's experience in the lifestyle. It's a fun thing people do. It's a bonding activity. It's a memory made. For me, it's it's not a positive thing. For me, it feels – and I'm not saying that this is true of everyone. I'm not saying that people who take photos are are bad in any way. For me, it feels like I'm giving up my power a bit because once that is in existence – I don't care how well I know someone. I don't care if you're my best friend in the world, if I trust you wholeheartedly. It's there. It's in existence. Something can happen. Someone can get in your phone. It can get sent to someone. Or even just like, we we can't pretend that we've never shown somebody someone else's dick pic or someone else's something. It's Even if you're in person showing it, like it's there. It's in existence. And you can't undo it. You can't rewrite history. And I have a lot of trauma around word getting around, things getting around, people knowing things about me. So I like to keep it as hearsay. I don't like to have evidence of what I'm up to except for this podcast. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's anonymous. Um, So, yeah, I think I don't want it to exist. And it almost, for me, makes it feel like more special, like, you should be so lucky to experience me in person because you're not going to get to look at it later. Yeah, I like that. Now, in your life currently, um, do you have vanilla friends? Do they know about your lifestyle? Does your family know? Is this is this very? Are you super private, like like you're talking about here? So all my friends know, and in fact, I love talking about it. I wish they would ask me more, but I know that I don't always <laughs> want to hear about it. It's funny. I went to something the other day and I was just like begging to be asked more questions about it. I just wanted to share. Um, all my friends know they, like I said, like it, they are not surprised at all. They're all so happy for me. They've seen how it's really enhanced my life, not just in a sexual expression, but like my friends, like I have friends that I do things with, that I make plans with, that I go to parties with. It has enriched my life so much and they're really happy for me. My family as a whole, absolutely not. I did tell my sister and my sister-in-law and it was actually quite an emotional moment for me. We don't necessarily have any type of relationship where we discuss anything 
in a sexual realm, let alone something kinky and out there. So we smoked a little weed one night when they were visiting and it was, it felt like I was coming out to them, like, cause it really is a coming out. And I sort of explained it all and my heart was pounding and I was really nervous to tell them. And I was nervous, like how they would react because I know that they don't get it and it's not something on their radar at all. But I finished telling everything I had to say and I didn't get into any like gory details. I did mention like there are some couples in my life that I see, but I didn't really get into it. I let them imply what they wanted to. And after I finished talking about it, my sister-in-law looked at me and she was like, I don't know like if we fully like understand everything or whatever, but I'm seeing how your eyes light up and how happy you are and how hard you're smiling talking about it. And I'm so happy for you and I love you. And that's great. Aww, that is beautiful that she picked up on that without understanding it and still accepted you. That's probably like the best possible scenario, right? Yeah. From your family. <laughs> Did your sister say anything? My sister had similar reactions. I think the difference was, and very valid, like I understand why she asked this, but one of the first responses was, so are you still like dating? Like, are you still pursuing like a life partner kind of? Mm. Um, And I kind of said what I mentioned a bit earlier, which is at this point, I definitely want a person, although I'm enjoying my, (laughs) my single, no strings attached, et cetera. I definitely want a primary partner, but I cannot see myself being in a monogamous relationship is going to be some level of monogamous, whether that's fully like the way that you and Jay operate separate and together kind of thing. Like, I'm not sure what that's going to look like yet. It depends on the person, the situation, but I, I do see that long-term. So- I love the word that you used earlier, which was situationship, which is so true. Like anything is possible. You just got to create it. And then one thing I wanted to touch on, you just brought up is that you, your friends are seeing changes in you as you go through this lifestyle. So I wanted to ask you, what have you learned about yourself as you entered into this lifestyle? Like what growth came of it for you and what's changed? Yeah. Oh, perfect. Perfect segue here. Um, I was kind of on a weird path sexually before this all began. And I was telling thee about this. I was sort of in this trend of a teacher-student dynamic, if you will. I was hooking up with people who are not very sexually experienced, are not very comfortable with their sexuality um, or expressing themselves sexually. And it was kind of a complex thrill for me to, as somebody who is so confident, who is so bold with things, there was always this moment when things would begin of just like shock and awe that was so like intoxicating to me. And so I was on this journey of constantly hooking up with people who I felt like I could like be their teacher and show them how to do things. And that is hot. There is a time and place for that. I'm not like, it wasn't all like bad by any means. It just got to the point where I was almost just settling or just like even pursuing people who I wouldn't necessarily be attracted to, to get that dynamic or because it was like safe and easy. And I didn't have to worry too much about like, I wasn't even very worried about how I was being perceived or coming across. And it was, it was quite selfish. Like it was this hot thing and wasn't really about the other person. It was about my experience. So And like stroking your ego. Stroking my ego and getting and also like like what Ellen and I were saying, like just kind of getting a quick fuck, like having fun, hot sex, but so much of it was was really selfish and like geared toward me. And I kind of started to get into this rut of like, this is not healthy and I'm not even getting like the deep connection that I want because these are not like minded people. Like I'm scaring them or overwhelming them and it's we're not on the same playing field. And not to say that I'm like the the hottest, greatest person ever, but it's just really different mindsets and really different experiences coming into it. And 
all of this kind of relates back to the question, which is what how I've learned and grown recently. And I think coming onto field, my main motivation was to find other people who were confident in themselves sexually, who could make me come and <laughs> like who were on my level of just like admiration and exploration and like truly see sex as so much more than just like, you know, just fucking. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think this has even just in a year, like fulfilled that desire for something deeper and something more exploratory and on that level than I could ever imagine. And I'm just so excited for what's to come. Because you're learning about yourself with every single encounter. Like I love, she'll send me um, audio notes or something and just be like, oh my God, I can't wait to tell you about this crazy experience I had this weekend or whatever. I mean, it may, it reminds me of your sister-in-law saying like just the, how your light, eyes light up and you're just so, your enthusiasm is so infectious and apparent. Like this stuff really lights you up and it's just opportunities for you to express yourself in this physical way and explore more and find out what, what gets you going. And the, I'm so happy for you for that. Thank you. Yeah. You just reminded me of, um, an audio note that you sent me this weekend and you still need well, to tell me too. the story. Well, so too. you well, should tell too. the whole world. So <laughs> that too. But what I was thinking was one of the things that I've pinpointed for why everything is so fulfilling to me is because I am now being celebrated for what was my biggest hurdle, just the relentless, relentless bullying that I experienced for being curious and wanting to try things and being a slut and being celebrated and appreciated and wanted in all these settings for me, me as a person, not just my pussy, like people want to spend time with me. Like we had to remind ourselves we should go fuck now because we were having such a good time hanging <laughs> out, but being celebrated in that way for what was, what I was bullied for has been like healing for my inner child. Yeah, I can. T and it's so interesting how when we were growing up, how the word slut was such like a negative thing. And that was the bullying part of it. Like, you're such a slut. Oh my God, who'd you have sex with now? What's going on? But now I feel like the term is more of like, I'm a slut. Like, it's a positive thing. It's a term of endearment. Like, oh my God, you're such a slut. What are you doing? You know? How slutty were you yeah. this weekend? It's like praising. <laughs> it's like we've reappropriated it. Yeah. Appropriated it? How do you say yeah, that? Taken it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've taken it back. Reclaimed. Okay, so let's wrap this up. I'd love to hear if you have any like nuggets of wisdom that you've kind of like gained over this year or kind of like takeaways that you'd like to give people what you would want people to take away from this episode? Yeah. Find people who want the same things as you do. Don't try to shape someone else's desires into what you want. And find like-minded people. And if you are going to be using Field or, or other apps, make sure that the people that you're interacting with are on there for the right reasons. Make sure if you're on there to have a deeper connection and a deeper exploration that the other person wants that as well. I've had some encounters where it was more about the ease of which you can find pussy mm. <laughs> and not at all about the deeper, the meaning and love of it all. So just keep yourself guarded, guard your heart, guard your emotions, and find quality people. That brings up such an interesting <laughs> point to me because my traditional friends have said to me like, wow, 
<laughs> you fuck a lot of people. <laughs> and how lucky are they? Number one. I'm like, oh, thank you. I didn't I didn't even think about that. It's like, yeah, like everyone who I let into my body, like they're really lucky. Like this is a sacred thing that we're doing. So it's kind of like a juxtaposition, hypocrisy. What am I looking for here? Paradox saying, you know, we're sluts. We want to fuck a lot of people, but then also saying, guard your heart. And that resonated with me. And I think that people who are just listening to just gain some understanding, it might not resonate because it seems like a paradox, but it's true. It's like we really do make these deep connections when we find the like-minded people and and the right people and we do fuck around but within you know a community of really loving people and i think that's you know i'm definitely what's what's the word when like you're making something a lot smaller than it actually is minimizing Mi- minimizing i'm minimizing poly by saying Everybody in it just has these huge hearts that just want to love more than one people. Like one person isn't enough to love, you know? But right now, that's kind of resonating with me. It's like we're all these really vulnerable, loving people, the people that I really resonate with in this lifestyle. And we just want to give our love to so many people. So it is really fucking hard when you find the people who are in it for the quote unquote wrong reasons. And, you know, they're not doing it in a deeper way. Those are the people that are messing it up for for, for people like us who are in it for deeper connection, right? Because the misconception is that we fuck people just to fuck them. And sure, there might be some times where we have our primal urges that we just, I mean, for me, I'm speaking of myself. I just want to fuck to fuck sometimes. However, more often than not, it's what we're achieving here today and what we just discussed is like we want that deeper connection. We want to feel comfortable, safe, and playful with others to allow that guard down so we can have those deeper sexual connections together. Yeah. And sometimes you will fuck to fuck someone random, but I would say for you, for both of you, what I know of you more often than not, if you do want to fuck to fuck, you're calling the people that you have the deeper connections with because you've established that trust and you can say to them like, yo, I'm fucking horny. I don't have a lot of time. I just want to fuck you. Love you. Bye. You know what I mean? So, and I've also seen both of you fuck randos to fuck, (laughs) which is fine. But, but probably, I, I mean, and so have I, like, I'm not, I'm not, saying I'm any different, but no, because okay. you guys are I so have sexual, never seen you'll you do it more often. That. I would pay to see that, I think. <laughs> the British guy the other week. Oh, that's right. The episode yeah. of chat. Okay, you're right. Yeah. I still, I still um, haven't seen it, so it's not real to me. <laughs> <laughs> Picks or it didn't happen. <laughs> anyway, we're digressing. I do want to give time for a listener question. So she wanted to know for meetups, what do you do as far as going solo versus bringing friends versus making sure you're going to meet people there that you know? How do you navigate meetups? as a solo person. So I feel a little bit guilty about this because I've been going to meetups almost exclusively with friends and with partners because it's a really fun time for us. We hang out, we have our own little chats, but I mean, the perfect example is last night we actually went to a mixer and we made a concerted effort. Like we're going to talk to people. We're going to get out of our comfort zone. And there are nights where I don't really want to talk to people and I just want to hang out with my friends and that's cool too. It's still a space that it's they're giving you to be flirty sexual and be with your people. But I think it's important for me and for my goals to branch out, talk to people. And how then, do you do that when you do that? I think having friends there is actually a really good way to branch out and meet new people. We started last night talking to some people in our group and it was a little easier, not as much pressure as going up to someone alone. Um, and even from that, once we started talking to some some new people, 
I was able to branch off and talk to one of those new people. And the the couples and the people you speak to form kind of naturally from that larger group as opposed to the stress of just going up to someone um, all by yourself, which I've definitely done as well. But I think we we sort of looked around, tried to make sure we were talking to whoever we wanted. And once we decided there wasn't a specific person I was interested in that moment, then we would also spend time with each other and have a good time with that. Um, the, the, the people that you go with, are they coupled or are they single as well? A combination of both. Yeah. Oh, cool. But I have gone to events alone, um, including the event that I met you at. <laughs> and it's definitely scary. It's It's scary because and this is a whole other episode, but <laughs> it's almost scarier to go to a bar and converse with people than it is to meet people with your clothes off in a room at an orgy. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Actually, that is a cool topic for an episode. Yeah, but, I would agree with you. But that that is interesting. It's like you have to <laughs> use your, your brain. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you have like lines that you pick people up with or are they usually coming up to you? We're using horrible life cards. <laughs> Last night that's, my, that's my go-to. Yeah, I can great. only approach people with a fucking shtick or game. So <laughs> it worked very well last night. I think my biggest line that isn't a line is just having an absolutely absurd amount of confidence, even if I don't feel like it, like just yeah, deciding that I'm, it. Yeah. yeah, like, it, and I think it's so much easier to do that in this setting than if I were to go to like a normal random bar that isn't an event meant for this like I would not have the courage really but just we're there to mix we're there to mingle if I'm like if I like my outfit if I'm feeling good like I'll just decide like that I can say and do whatever and (laughs) just go with it I've seen you inhabit that headspace before and I love it there's a power in that choice like you are choosing to be confident in the moment and you're you're in control now so you're taking that charge and you're just gonna do it and I think that that's where that power comes from is is that choice of it and then I also agree with you that in a situation going solo into say some kind of meetup I want to make sure that I look good I feel good there's certain things that I will do if I have a like even on a normal day at work or if I have to give a presentation, like I will wear red underwear or I will wear um, animal print or something that makes me feel like sexy and powerful. And that gives me more confidence and I exude that more, but no one else knows that I have the stuff underneath. Right. But that's just a me thing. I love that. that Wait, So do you both go to events alone ever? Oh, I haven't new goal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I would, I would, I would love to, I just, yeah, I just, I don't have a desire right now, but if I did, I would, I would try it. I think it would be very uncomfortable at first, but I would thrive. <laughs> I don't know. You would thrive. I don't know if this is considered alone. However, I have a bartender partner um, and he's been extremely busy. Like I'll go visit him at his bar and I'll be alone and stand there and like I'll just start conversing with other people at the bar and they're not lifestyle events, but that definitely pushes me out of my comfort zone. And I usually end up having a great fucking time those nights. Uh, yeah, but you're so easy to talk to that I don't see you having well, a problem. Well, so are you guys. At all. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> when I can be awkward night, too. Yeah, of course. I think we all have our moments, but you're definitely more friendly than ever because you picked up those guys when we were at the bar when we did girls' night a couple weeks ago. <laughs> you, oh my God. Yeah. You and Nadia were all over <laughs> those guys. I was like, who is she talking to? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I think that's, that's helpful. Just, and I think also just thinking of like going up with confidence, wearing your little thing that makes you hot underneath. And then also I'm thinking of Ted Lasso, um, (laughs) Rebecca, the boss, she goes in the mirror and makes herself as big as possible and does this like, like roars at herself in the mirror. And it's, it's so funny, but yeah, just whatever it is, because, and I think, 
having that mindset of we are here to meet people. Jay and I have to say that to each other all the time. It's like, why are we all tiptoeing around this? We're all here to do the same thing. We're all here to meet people, but we're all afraid to go up to each other. So let's just go up and make fun of ourselves for that. Another thing I will say is a lot of meetups do provide you with icebreakers, like bingo cards that say like, you know, find someone who blah, blah, blah. And so you have to go up and ask questions. So I always use those if I'm in a situation like that. And then also um, that guy that we ran into last night, he listens, shout out, you know who you are. He, I've seen him at a couple of events now and he goes alone. I've seen him with a partner once maybe and the rest of the time it's alone. And I'm always so impressed with him and his confidence to do that. And he'll come up. He's so respectful. Like last night we hadn't yeah. seen each other for fucking like, I think it's been a couple months like, and we were catching yeah. up and I didn't mean to be rude, but basically he came over to talk to us and I'm happy to talk to him, but in that moment, we were catching up after a couple of months, and I said to him, hey, like, we'll come find you, but we have a lot to catch up on. And he took it so nicely, and he gave us our space, and as it turned out, we didn't end up finding each other later in the evening, but it wasn't because I didn't want to. It was just, you know, but my point is going to places alone reading social cues, not taking things personally. Shout out to you, um, Mr. Solo. Yes. I think (laughs) not feeling intimidated, approach everybody. And if you just approach with kindness, hi, my name is, or hi, what's your name? Where I was drawn to you, I had to come introduce myself. It's just as simple as that. And that's it. Yeah. There are little, little ways. And I think confidence is everything. I think we've covered a lot here. Yeah. I'm so glad you came and did this. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was nice to finally meet you. And next is to come to a play party together. I know. Yes, I can't. I, I cannot wait, wait to that. see you in action. Oh my God. <laughs> you too, after hearing this. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Holly. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This was a, an interesting conversation and a lot to weigh in on, especially with the compulsory whatever that word is, heterosexuality. (laughs) So we'd love to hear your feedback and opinions and maybe we could do a follow-up on it, but email us at girlsgonedeep at gmail.com and you can find us on Instagram at girlsgonedeeppodcast. And uh, as we've mentioned several times, you must get your hands on a deck of horrible life and get 10% off your first deck with code gone deep and use it as your icebreakers and a way to get to know people on a more deeper and sexual level. So, well, I'm Elle. And I'm V. And Holly, thanks so much for coming. Love you so much. You're a little.